when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard. Everyone say standard. The Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Against who? Against the enemy, against Satan, when he comes in like a flood. Satan has come into America like a flood. Flood attacks differ from frontal attacks in that they spread everywhere. They're not just a, a, a pinpoint front door location. They're not like a, a home invasion. They invade from all sides and overwhelm. And flood attacks go everywhere, forcefully entering where they don't belong, disrupting and destroying everything in their path. And they have the potential to sweep away everything and leave communities uninhabitable. And so it was specific when the Lord chose the analogy of the flood when the enemy attacks like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Well, like a flooding river bursting its levees, overflowing its banks, spirits of rebellion and perversion and lying accusation are sweeping through our community schools and governments and they're rearranging the landscape of our society. Signs that our foundations as a nation, our foundations as a society, our cultural foundations, signs that they are being undermined are everywhere. And I'd like to review a couple of them with you this morning. For the first time in our history, educators have driven Christian principles out of our schools in favor of anti-God Marxist theories, such as critical theory. You might not be familiar with the phrase critical theory, but your children and grandchildren sure are, or they're becoming familiar with it because they've been being taught the principles and the worldview based on Karl Marx's idea of how the world should run, which he named critical theory. And the concept of critical theory was raised by this man who was not just an atheist. I was an atheist before I got saved, but he hated Christianity particularly. And the thing that he hated about Christianity was the idea that the concept of Christianity hinged upon the basic principle that the elemental component of society is the individual and their responsibility before God. That is the element, if you will, the atomic element of society as God designed it. We are all individuals and we are responsible before God, but being responsible for before God, we are also able before God to receive his blessing. And Karl Marx hated the idea that individuals had that kind of impact on the world. He couldn't stand living in a world where other people's lives and other people's decisions had an impact upon him. He wanted a society that he could control like you would control a video game. You control everything that's going on with a joystick. And so he came up with a different worldview to replace um, the, the Bible's basic principle of individualism and individual responsibility, individual accountability. And so critical theory basically replaces that idea with the fact that all, with the lie, the deception, that all goodness, all moral substance 
is not invested in individuals, but in systems. And if you install the right system in society, then its people will be good. But if you install the wrong system or a bad system, then no matter how much people try, they will be bad. And that's why we are hearing things today like systemic racism. Racism isn't systemic. I understand what people mean by that, and I, and I see that there are institutions that may have been affected, but the fact is, according to the Word of God, and, you, and this is where you're either going to have to decide you're a communist and a Marxist, or you believe the, the Word of God. Because those are the two ideologies that literally stand before mankind. Um, racism is systemic, not systemic. Yes. It's systemic. It comes from individuals. If you want to change racism or any other ism in society, you have to change individuals' hearts one at a time because that is where society is made up from on the individual level. And Karl Marx, the father of communism, hated it. And in his dialectic, he presented critical theory. Well, critical theory has been attempted, particularly in the, uh, particularly, and by the way, some of you were asleep during history class. Karl Marx lived and, and spoke and wrote and devised his dialectic in the 1800s, the 19th century. And in the 20th century, whole nations, Russia, for example, and others, applied his principles. And the idea was, if we're going to stop being affected by people that, that affect us in an ill way, for example, the common people in Russia wanted to stop being affected by the aristocracy who were cold and uh, amassed all the wealth while the poor were starving at their gates. Much in the same way Jesus saw happening in his day when he gave the parable of the rich man and Lazarus begging at his gates. So nothing new under the sun. It is the, it is the structure of a fallen sinful world. But Jesus presented that structure on an elemental level, on an individual level, and he said, hearts need to get right with me. And I need to break the power of sin and corruption, selfishness over their heart. And if they open their hearts to me, I'll pour my love, my agape into them, transform them, and they will in turn collectively rise up and have an impact on society. And <clears throat> that was, that was the, according to the gospel. So the first thing that I see in our society is that our educators have just com almost all com uh, completely and the ones that haven't forsaken Christianity, they have been browbeaten into silence so that they don't speak up. And they have given way to the loud mouth and the brutes that have decided it's time for critical theory to become the choice worldview in our school systems. And so our whole school, all of our school systems, and it, and it, it, uh, it has accelerated to max potential in our universities. Now, so our educators have driven one of the things we see, one of the signs that the flood has broken the levee and it's poured out upon our land is the driving out of biblical principle out of our education process. The next thing I see is destructive mobs are burning through our cities, militantly carrying signs declaring 
their open defiance against God, burning Bibles and signs that say, if Jesus comes back, kill him again, and, and things like that. So though that, that rising spirit of Antichrist is boldly proclaiming itself. You know, like a river, these things have always been with us. But a flood is when the volume becomes so large, it picks up force and it breaks out of all of its barriers and overflows as a destructive force, pushing houses and businesses aside as it wipes communities out. Another thing is that we're rewriting our laws to license sin because a few loud, angry people demand that our moral standards be eliminated. And so we have been, over the past several years, not just changing our moral standards, but codifying them with our legal system. And yet the net result is that all those loud, angry people that, ha that have thrown tantrums and, and organized petitions and raised money, they're not happy. In fact, they're not, they're not the least bit more happy. Instead, they're more angry and they're more bitter and they're more nasty than ever. I put it to you this morning that the trend towards permissiveness hasn't produced the tolerance in our society that they promised it would produce. In fact, just the very opposite. People are more offended. They are more unforgiving. They're more fault-finding than ever before. The final thing that I observed that I want to point out to you, and there's a lot of characterizations to this flood, but, but I just picked out a few that just really, I think, really show the character of Satan. Out of, out of whose mouth this flood has been released. And that is that the more our society enters into dialogue, public dialogue, public discourse, across social media, the more people are turning to suicide. There's a direct correlation. The more we're talking with one another, the more we're killing ourselves as the only solution that we find left to dealing with our world. People are not dying because they're not being heard. People are dying because of what they're hearing. We don't need more deceptive dialogue. What we need is more truth. Amen. That's why people are killing themselves, is they are drowning in words that are full of lies and full of deception, and they're starving for the truth. The signs of a world floating in a flood of satanic lies and deception are all around us crying out for deliverance if we will properly hear and discern these signs. But God said when the enemy does come in like a flood, where's the help going to come from? The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against, not the world, but against the enemy who has released, who has released that flood. God's saving standard is in his word. Chris was holding that word as he was reading to us this morning. The saving standard of God is in this word. It's, it's not, the Bible is not the saving standard, but the rhema word of God that is in this Bible 
is the standard. And God is sending his spirit into the church to lift that standard up against Satan. But something is happening. Something that I have to report this morning. That is, he's sending his spirit into the church to lift up the standard that is found in his word. But the church has been flooded. The church is not immune to this flood. This flood is making its way into the church and has overrun many churches. How can the Holy Spirit lift a standard in churches that won't stand on his word? How does that happen? It doesn't happen. The Pope has just called the Catholic Church to sanction same-sex civil unions. Protestant churches, including Churches like ours are caving under the hate of radical feminists and backing away from their pro-life stance against abortion and beginning to lean, beginning to lean towards pro-choice out of fear, knuckling under to the hate and the anger that, are, that through critical theory are being poured into our daughters and our granddaughters in universities. And they're coming out hating men, hating any man who speaks, any male that stands on two feet, squares their shoulders, and speaks with any level of authority, regardless of their tone, is immediately hated. They want to hear men whose tone of voice is always expressed in a question, always a, a bit of weakness and uncertainty. It's like a banshee spirit. <laughs> An Amazon spirit has risen up. And it is, it, it is kind of humorous when you think about it, but the, but the level of destruction, it's unbelievable. Lives, lives have been and lives are being ruined. Listen, when Christians endorse leaders who have evil agendas and won't stand up for the truth, they leave society defenseless against deception. Just as Chris said, Jesus said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because those that are, that are broken in sin are broken in sin. They do what sinners do. We are the salt. We are the light of the world. But if we have, lose our saltiness, if we will not stand up for the word of God, if we will not take unpopular stands, and I'm not talking about being angry at the world and being hateful or, or rejecting or being nasty. I'm simply talking about taking a humble and honest stand on the word of God. But churches are running away as fast as they can from the place where they once confidently and bravely stood and welcomed unsaved people into their midst and told them the truth about what God's word says. If we keep voting for leaders who use their authority and power to sponsor evil purposes that God clearly condemns in his word as murder and, and things that he hates, if we keep doing that as a church, we will continue to descend into irrelevance. And all the millions of dollars spent on light shows and fancy young 
bouncing musicians and uh, the latest this and that will not bring the authority and power back to a church that has forsaken the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of God's Word for programs that are designed to impress a world that is sin-sick and needs a loving, firm, direct, honest explanation for what's happening to it. Psalm 94, 20 through 23 says, Can wicked rulers be allied like an ally? Can, can wicked rulers be allied with you, O Lord? The psalmist asks. Those who frame injustice by statute, they band together against the life of the righteous and they condemn the innocent to death. Is there any more innocent than the child in the womb that has no chance of defending itself against scissors, cutting it to pieces, or acid burning it and being ripped from its mother's womb. There is nothing more helpless, more defenseless, more incapable, more innocent, more innocent than that baby about to be born. And even those statistics tell us that the idea that what is formed in the embryonic state in the, in the womb of a mother and grows those nine months, more and more people statistically um, are showing up in those statistics as believing that that is a person. There are more people in America than there have been in the, the 40 to 50 years or more that we have been fighting this battle against the corrupt, murderous practice of abortion. And yet, even though more people today agree that that's a human life in the womb, our laws have become worse than ever. We are actually state by state passing legislation and laws that give our doctors the permission at the woman's command to put to death babies in the birth process or that have been born and are breathing. Do you sure you want this baby? No, I don't want the baby. Out, out it goes with the garbage. Now, the Bible clearly says one of, the, one of God's commands, thou shalt not, and the word is not kill, it is commit murder. That is the exact Hebrew word. So you can't say that soldiers in war are committing murder. Um, you can't say that uh, law enforcement people in the course of their um, uh, enforcing the law and protecting the public are murdering. Unless they actually are murdering, it's not murder. It may be killing, but it's not murder. But abortion, abortion cannot ever, in a sensible, reasonable context, ever be framed as a woman's right. First of all, the body in that mother's womb is not hers. And so to take the argument and try to elastically stretch it over the reality of what's going on, take the argument that a woman's health, that this is a woman's health issue, nonsense. It's not a woman's health issue. This is not her body we're talking about. They're not killing the mother's body. They're killing a separate individual's body. 
I don't know why these things that are so clearly evident are not just squared. But you can't even go out on Facebook and say these things. You will be shut down. We literally are making the argument against abortion being murder illegal. You can't even discuss it or bring it up. And so here in Psalm 94, the scripture says, Can wicked rulers be allied with you, O Lord? Those who frame injustice by their statutes, those that, that band together against the life of the righteous and condemn the innocent to death, can they be your allies? Can they stand up? Can Nancy Pelosi stand up? And, say, and claim that she's praying for the president and that she's a good Catholic. She may be a good Catholic, but she's no Christian. Not as long as she is pushing for the right of women to kill their unborn children. I'm sorry, you, you can't have it both ways. It's either one or the other. And you know, I'm going to be honest, personally, my heart breaks for the poor young women that have been duped, pressured, find themselves in, in a situation where they are absolutely no longer supported. Whether married or not, young women become pregnant. They are not supported by society. Oftentimes, they're looked at as, as being moronic. You're not really going to have that thing, are you? And I, my heart breaks for them. The pressure that they're under. Nobody is telling them the truth. Nobody is there supporting them. Nobody is telling them that they have a beautiful son or a daughter. It is not their right to kill. It is their responsibility to birth. It is a separate life. And there's just no way around it. And yet, the Bible says, if you, if you support somebody who by statute is killing and murdering people, you're supporting somebody who God will not consider as an ally. How can you do that? Many churches endorse leaders who are not the Lord's ally. So if, if they are the enemy of God, whether they go to church, whether they go to three churches, I don't care if the Pope kissed them. It doesn't make any difference. If you endorse leaders who are, that God says they're no ally of mine, and they are clearly part of the flood, where does that put you? I'm going to present a verse to you right now that I don't know if you've ever heard it put in this context, but I feel like, I feel like the Lord led me to it. And it's, it's, it's not obscure. It's a very popular verse out of the New Testament, 1 Timothy 5, where <clears throat> concerning selecting leaders to be deacons and Sunday school superintendents and elders and ministers and so forth in the church, Paul writes to Timothy and says, Do not be in a hurry in laying hands on anyone, nor share or participate in another man's sins. Keep yourself pure. The warning Paul gives to Timothy as he sets up churches, he knows that people need to be put into positions of authority, into offices. 
And he says, you as the governing body, as you select those leaders, just know this. When you vote for them, when you put your hands on them, when you lay hands on them, if they really are corrupt and sinning, you have just by endorsing them publicly, you have become a supporter and a participant of their sin. Whole churches have been rocked to the extent that they fell apart and never recovered, never came back together again because corrupt ministers, quote unquote, somehow convinced a board to vote them in and lay hands on them and anoint them with oil and gave them authority. And so when that corrupt leader started scattering the sheep, who was responsible? Who vetted him? Who voted for him? Who put him in power? You're going to go out not too many days from now, and you're going to cast a vote if you haven't already. That vote is sacred before God. It's sacred because it represents your authority. Your authority doesn't just stay here in church. Your authority follows you through life. Everywhere you go, and especially as an ambassador of Christ, you are exercising your authority. You are exercising that one all-powerful moment when you can affect the flood or for good or for evil what's going on in a nation by the people you choose. And let me tell you something. This election is not about personalities. And if in your mind this is a contest between Joe Biden's personality and Donald Trump's personality, you are completely missing, totally missing the relevance from God's perspective. God is not small-minded. He's not, he's not looking at these men saying, that is one crude, unrefined individual. He's saying, who will stand for the innocent and who is demanding that the innocent continue to be wiped out and thrown away like trash. Our God is not petty. He's not small-minded, and he's not dumb. He's not stupid. He knows that, that things have weight and importance, and they have weight and importance before God. And by the way, if we would read our Bible, we'd find out what's important to God. And running around calling people names, while it may be crude, social, and acceptable, and it may, be, it may step on a few, uh, uh, the toes of people's sensibilities, it doesn't begin to compare with somebody who wants to fight because they have been taken captive by banshee women to the notion that they have an extended personal right to kill the unborn in their womb. As long as that child is within the confines of my body, it's my body and I can kill it. But when that child is born and it's still nursing at your breast and totally dependent on you, so now that right no longer exists, that child is still attached to you and dependent. And it is the same child that was growing in your womb. So. Enough said, you get the general idea. <clears throat> Don't, do not be in a hurry to lay hands 
or to cast a vote. And, and Christians show their lack of judgment by voting for people because there is an issue that they like. And so they don't, they don't mind that this man or this woman is an ardent supporter of America's Holocaust, the aborting of millions and millions of children. So those who vote for leaders who keep abortion legal are guilty of participating in the sin of murder. Amen. Now, I might be unpopular with you for saying it, but I have to step aside and ask you to face God, who is the one that has taken that position. You are unpopular with God. And that, if that doesn't bother you, then that's your business. Uh, if it does bother you, then you're going to have to wrestle with that. So the accuser, Satan the accuser, he's casting his flood of accusation and offense into America, but also into America's churches. But the Spirit of the Lord, but the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against the accuser. That's why I was so excited when Chris got up and shared what he was saying, because he was talking about that standard that the Lord wants to lift up if my people will pray, if we will exercise and execute our authority. And, and he perfectly explained it when he said, oh, I go to prayer on Wednesday night. Well, th thank God he comes, he goes. He says, well, I haven't felt too spiritual for two or three days, and I think I'll just go there and bath. But he's there, he's there. And as long as, well, he, he sits down and then he says, well, as long as I'm here, I guess I might as well open my mouth. You start opening your mouth, see, you're, that's when you're in trouble. The Bible says, open your mouth and I will fill it, says the Lord. Can you say amen? I never feel like praying until I start praying. And then I can't stop. God is looking for churches. He's looking for churches. He's sifting through churches, trying to find an embassy of the kingdom of God. One from which he can lift up his standard and expel the accuser, just like it happened in heaven. Go with me back 2,000 years to the gate of glory as Jesus, the resurrected, hallelujah, Savior, rose, praised the Lord, victorious over sin, sickness, and all of Satan's devices. And as he approached the gates of heaven, the Bible says the gates lifted up their heads and, and, and the pronouncement was, was broadcast. Who is this king of glory? The rhetorical question as they recognized the almighty God in the sun entering in. Who is this king of glory? The gates lift up their heads and they welcome him. And the Bible says heaven is filled with the declaration. Now, now that he enters through the gates and takes his position as the advocate, intercessor. Now the choir of heaven says, now has come salvation and now has come the kingdom of our God and of his Christ and the accuser of our brethren is cast down who accused them day and night before God and his voice will never be heard again in heaven. It was the entrance of Jesus as the gates lifted up their heads, 
welcoming him as Lord that automatically caused the expulsion of the accuser. And his accusations were overthrown and end, ended. Ended. And heaven is now filled with the confession of the advocate, whoever lives to make intercession. It is so awesome. Well, the reason I tell you this story is because Jesus gave you and I an assignment. He gave his church an assignment. They said, how should we pray? He said, I'm glad you asked. Here's how you pray. Our Father in heaven, recognize that is your place of origin. That is your citizenship in the kingdom of God. That's where your authority comes from. Our Father which art in heaven, sacred is the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done here in earth as it is in heaven. Well, how is it in heaven? I'll tell you how it is. The gates lift up their heads and they say, Lord Jesus, come in. Accusers cast out. Jesus comes in, accusers cast out. Jesus comes in, accusers cast out. But the gates have to lift up their heads and say, who is this king of glory? Oh, Jesus, come in, come in. Jesus said, I want you praying on earth. I want you as the gate of your marriage, as the gate of your family, as the gate of your community that you live in. You all have a sphere of responsibility in every church has a calling to be an embassy. But if we don't lift up our heads and say, Lord, come in. Jesus is Lord. The accuser will keep releasing out of his mouth the floods. And those floods will keep coming. The Lord is wanting to push those waters back. He's wanting to lift up a standard through the Holy Spirit. Somebody... Somebody's got to be listening to what I'm saying. Hallelujah. The, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that Satan opened up his mouth and cast a flood out into the earth to destroy the people of the earth. That is exactly how God sees the accuser. He, he sows murder. He sows uh, disruption and ruin by speaking lies. He does what he did back with Eve and Adam in the very beginning. He speaks lies. And the, uh, the universities of America listen to those lies. Oh, they like what they hear. Oh, if we can just come up with the right system, then we just have to force everybody. Oh, oh, those, uh, those conservative Christians, they don't want to, well, we'll have to get rid of them. It's exactly what they did in Russia. It's exactly what they did in China. It's what they do, have done in every communist country where Marxism has been applied. Is they force everybody, according to critical theory, into conformity with the state. Everyone will be equal. Everyone will be equally miserable. Except for those who are in power. Those who get to collect the money. As the state is in control and in authority over all business and all commerce. They're the ones getting fat. There's always got to be somebody who gets the big payoff. So the Bible says Satan opens his mouth in the flood of deception 
and lies is poured out, but God wants to raise the standard against him. How is that standard going to be raised? The Lord is sifting through churches, trying to find ones that will stand on earth and do on earth what was done in heaven. Bring the presence of Jesus, the Lordship of Jesus, because it's his presence that casts the accuser out. How the devil was able to cast his flood across America in my lifetime, I've watched it coming. I've watched the waters rise. I've watched our universities and our education system be polluted. Back in the early 1980s, I remember sitting before the Connecticut legislature and arguing against their abortion amendments and trying to convince those legislators that they were accountable for God, for a miserable piece of legislation that was responsible for destroying lives. So I've been at it for a long time, but I've watched it continue to increase and get worse and get worse. And I knew back then where it came from. I knew it came from Marxist ideology, but it came before that from Lucifer himself, the spirit of Antichrist. And so the Lord wants to raise up his standard to expel the accuser here on earth. He's looking for churches who are walking in their kingdom assignment, who will lift up their gates of influence so that the king of glory can come in. You see, as an embassy of the kingdom of God, the Lord owns your position on earth. When you get on your face and pray and you say, Lord, I'm an ambassador of Christ. Make my home, make my life, make my sphere of influence an embassy of God. When a church collectively bases its prayer on, Lord, we want to be an embassy, God says, I own that. That's how, that's how, that's how um, it works, doesn't it? It works all over the face of the earth like that. The American embassy in Great Britain, the the building and the ground, the land that it is on, is part of the United States of America. It's not part of England. America owns it. America owns, owns its embassies around the world until it withdraws itself. And when it withdraws itself, it no longer has real estate in that nation. But as long as it has real estate in that nation, it has something called influence, authority, and the power to influence what goes on in those countries. Are you listening to me? And God's kingdom operates the exact same way. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The Lord is wanting to establish embassies upon the earth because that embassy, territory, is part of the kingdom of God. It's owned by the Lord Jesus Christ. He owns it but only if you will sanction it and sanctify it and run it as an embassy instead of a church that's trying to become popular with the world, run it as an embassy that's trying to stay popular with the kingdom of heaven. Can you say amen? All right, so the Lord is going to raise his standard up from us, from us, lift his standard up from among us, if we will do the following, and I'm going to close with these things, it won't take a lot of time, just want to mention three things. Number one, treat your church as an embassy of the kingdom of God. 
Don't let the flood in. Don't form alliances with leaders and movements that are aligned against God. Instead, now listen to me, here's where, here's where I'm going to lose a whole lot of people out there on Facebook and YouTube and everything. A lot of Christians are going to, they might have hung with me up till now. Bye-bye. We're, we're about to lose them. Here we go. Don't form alliances with leaders and movements that are aligned against God. Instead, ready? Make your position against evil clear. Let me say it again. Make your position against darkness and against evil clear. That is your responsibility. The Bible says in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, Jesus is the Son of God who was endorsed by God, accepted because he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Jesus hated? Yes, he does. He hates what is wicked. He hates the devil. Anyone who does not hate evil doesn't love righteousness. I don't want to be loved by somebody who's incapable of hating evil because evil hurts me. Evil destroys me. And if you don't hate the evil that's destroying me, then you really don't love me. And you don't love this country if you're not willing to hate the sin and the corruption and the evil that is taking people's lives and grinding them down. Are you listening? So treat your church as an embassy of the kingdom of God. Make a clear stand against evil. Don't hate the world. God loves the world. God so loved the world. We sure love the world. We're not talking about hating the world. We're talking about standing up against the evil that keeps the world in darkness. I'll just cap this off because if you want to, Unfriend me on Facebook, go ahead, but you're, as you walk out the door, I've got a verse I want to send you home with. Ephesians 5.11, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness, instead expose them. Amen. So now you can unfriend the Apostle Paul along with me. <laughs> number two, number two, prepare for a royal visit. Prepare for a royal visit. The Bible says it is specifically the Spirit of the Lord who is going to raise the standard against the enemy. Not us, the Spirit of the Lord. Not our praise team, not our fine, eloquent preacher, not our church board, not our money, not our building, not our light show. The Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard that will overthrow the accuser and push back the waves of the flood. It is specifically the Holy Spirit to raise that standard against the enemy. So, are you ready? Let's get back to seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The church has run away from the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Pentecostal churches have got signs. Charismatic churches got signs. Their sign doesn't go any farther than their business card that says Pentecostal. It's the only signs you see. Psalm 79, I think it was, I think I'm going to re-preach this series again, one of my favorites, Where Are Our Signs? The psalmist says, we, see no, we don't any longer see our signs. Where are the signs? The church needs to get back to its Pentecostal power. Jesus left 
He birthed the church with the baptism in the Holy Spirit for a reason. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes in. You couldn't be saved without the Holy Spirit. Every Christian that, that is saved has the Holy Spirit within them. That's why they're a child of God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not the regeneration that is affected by the Holy Spirit. It is the specific mantling, empowering, laying on of the mantle of power to go out and to deal with the flood. It is the power to bring heaven's resources to bear against a world in rebellion. Otherwise, you're just talking. Otherwise, you're just dialoguing. And the more we dialogue, the more people are committing suicide. We don't need more talk. We need more truth. And Jesus told that truth with signs following. Jesus demonstrated the truth. He didn't just talk the truth. Our churches need to get back. I'm going to reach back to Azusa Street. Our churches need to get back to tarrying at the altar and waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So, well, I received the Holy Spirit in 75. We are a long way from 75, and you are a long way from 75, aren't you? You bet your bottom dollar you are. This is today, and the, and the Father wants to baptize a church in the Holy Ghost. So prepare for a royal visit. And the third thing you need to do if you want to become an embassy of the kingdom of God so that God can raise up a standard here in Clearwater and overthrow the enemy and deliver captives out of darkness, unfurl Jehovah Nissi over your church. Jehovah Nissi was one of the compound covenant names of God and it means the Lord, our banner. The Lord our standard. The Lord will raise a what? A standard against Satan. Nothing that the church is doing today is going to drive Satan or one drop of his flood from the shores of America. But I guarantee you, Jehovah Nissi will. I guarantee you that you start letting God show up in churches and Satan's going to start losing territory. And when the Lord's, I mean, when the, when the devil's flood waters recede, guess what? Souls get left behind. And they're there for the harvesters to gather them up. People that have been abused, people that have been rolled with contempt and hate and bitter accusation, all of a sudden, wake up. Wake up and they're brokenhearted. They wake up by the agape, by the love of God. They wake up through the grace of Jesus Christ and find out, wow, my professor told me that, that he was just an old white hater. And that this is just a nasty old white uh, 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 religion. But Jesus is real. Amen. He's colorless. He's eternal. He's pure. He is a salvation for all people everywhere. Hallelujah. You see, they begin to come out from underneath the Marxist lies. They start coming out from underneath the manipulation that they're taught by their teachers and that they are spoken to by Hollywood elites 
and progressive politicians. And they start hearing some of that old-time religion that mom, mom and grandma used to talk about, about Jesus loves you. And their eyes get opened. The God of this world's blinded their eyes. And God is trying to open them. If, do you want to see blind eyes open? Yes. Turn this church into an embassy. These three things. Treat your church as an embassy. Prepare for a royal visit and unfurl Jehovah Nissi, the banner of the gospel. Put the gospel welcome flag out for all to see. Go back to your friends and stop engaging with them about whether America's systemic racist or not. Just bypass all that nonsense, all that venom, because it's all rooted in hate. If you get entangled in those arguments, unless God has raised you up as a Daniel prophet and has prepared you and equipped you and sent you out to confront those professors who are in darkness and speak to them on their own terms, stay out of it and tell them what you know. Tell them about Jesus. Unfurl Jehovah Nisi. You say, well, they'll laugh at me. Good. You've been trying to get people to laugh at you. <laughs> Now's your chance. Stay jolly. Stay joyful. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Trust me, they are a, they're cracking and falling apart. They're dried up with hate. They're so bitter. If you let the joy of the Lord and his living water flow through you, let them call you an idiot. Let them say, whatever. they're going to notice the fluidity. They're going to notice the life of the Spirit. <laughs> Can you say amen? amen. Close your Bible, stand with me.